You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago and WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Father Greg Sackowitz, the Rector of Morning Cathedral, and co-host Mark Teresi, Executive Director of the Cathedral. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning. What a beautiful morning. And it was oh. a beautiful weekend. Yeah, it was perfect. It was a perfect weekend. Saturday was about 87, 88 degrees. It did rain a little bit yesterday, but uh, here's the thing. We do need rain. Oh, a lot. And we're going to get some this week, so that's good. We're way, way below average for spring. Usually it rain, rains like crazy in spring. We've not had that. And uh, the, the the lake water level is very low. It was so high for several years, and now it's way below average. And they can, we really actually do need that rain. But the weather was wonderful, and uh, the Cubs took two out of three. From St. Louis. From St. Louis, which yep. was outstanding in St. Louis. Right, exactly. And the Sox got swept Got swept. Are they still in by first? By the Yankees. The Sox? They're in Sox in first by game Cubs and a half. Cubs by two. Correct. And, uh, it, but it's a long season. It's yeah. a long way to go. So 312-255-8408. 312-255-8408 here on WNDZ, 750 AM. Tremendous hour lined up and backed by popular demand. Dr. Edward Gordon will be talking about the age of faith, the church in the Middle Ages, but before we do that, first of all, how are you, Edward? Good morning to you. Well, I'm fine. How are you, Father Greg? Doing very, very well. Now, you're back in Chicago with Elaine, correct? I'm right. I'm sitting here just a few blocks from you. Oh, that's right, from in your home there. So you're enjoying this beautiful morning. Yes, I certainly am. Why? What a nice picture up on uh, YouTube of you. That was a great picture of Edward. And mm-hmm. Is that from your first communion, Edward? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we update those pictures regularly. It's because my wife treats me so well that I look that way. You look mm-hmm. tremendous. Now, the question I would like to ask you on behalf of Dr. Robert Mall, a regular listener from Indiana. Yes. First couple of minutes, we'll talk about the pandemic because you are the expert on the coronavirus in terms of this whole the history and what's going on. Edward what inning are we in right now? Well, I would say not right now we're in the top of the eighth. Okay. So we moved up. Oh, we have When you were on about a month ago, we were in the, the bottom of the seventh. Sight. Yeah, because I'll tell you, we started back a year ago, March, in the top of the third, and it moved through. You were on about a month ago from California, and you said we we're in the bottom of the seventh. So, in fact, we're in the. Now, why do you say top of the eighth and let's say not top, bottom of the ninth? That is because uh, even though many people have been vaccinated, we still have large numbers of people who have not been vaccinated. So uh, we need more people to be vaccinated so that they won't get the virus or reinfect other people who have been vaccinated and may get a milder case. But after talking to a good friend of mine who is an infectious disease specialist, if you get reinfected, uh, you could still not end up in the hospital, but you could have significant health problems that will linger for a long time. So we have to be still observant of the fact that the COVID-19 is still active. It's in the air. It's all around us. It's a silent killer. It's already killed 588,000 people. And if you factor in all of the excess deaths from last year, which is another 380,000 plus, we're now at a million people almost have died in the United States from COVID. So wait, wait, Edward, you're saying in in our country, we are close to 1 million who have died from COVID-19? Right of excess deaths last year, these are people who died above and beyond what normally would have died. 
all right? Worldwide, we're talking about 10 million people factoring excess deaths who have died from COVID. 10 right? million now? Yes. I thought it was about 3.5 million. Well, if you, again, factor in excess deaths. Now, what do you mean excess deaths? These are people who have died, Father Greg, that you normally would have buried. But now, because of COVID, the death rate has spiked abnormally. These are above and beyond the normal death rate that we would have experienced last year. Now, Ed, we were, so my wife and I met some friends. We were out at Little Italy, an outdoor restaurant. Why does that not surprise me with a name like (laughs) Teresi? But let me tell you, and maybe you can speak to this. There was a different vibe out there. You just felt like something was lifted a bit. You know, it wasn't people... You know, we wore our mask before the waitress right, came. You right, know, uh, right. But, but, but uh, can you, you're downtown. What are yeah. you seeing well, in terms of how people is, are responding to the eighth inning? What I'm seeing is that a lot of people who are out and about have been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And they go and are with people who have been vaccinated. Right, exactly. Well, all your friends were vaccinated. Exactly. You were vaccinated. Exactly. So exactly. that gives you 90%. In, in overall, 90% protection against this virus. It's almost a pre-question that you ask folks if you're getting together in you that right. way. Have you right. been vaccinated? In fact, but you know, Edward, on a sobering note, uh, friends of mine from two parishes ago, um, both around 70, he just died last Thursday from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. She's in the hospital, mm-hmm. his wife, with COVID-19. Yes. And so it's kind of sobering also... A gentleman I know who was at a wake about a month ago for an aunt who died. Yes. When the wake was finished, two days later, they discovered that an aunt who was at the wake was COVID-19 positive. And within 10 days, 11 members of the family got COVID-19 and one uncle died. Yes. So it's, she was a super spreader. Yes. And so it's still out there. Well, there are a lot of people. Remember, the unfortunate thing that has happened with this is that it has been politicized. Mm-hmm. And science has been thrown into the junk heap by many people who say, no, this whole thing is a scam, it's a Political. fraud, it is a conspiracy, and the vaccines are a conspiracy. These numbers that I'm reporting to you are false. Ed Gordon is a false prophet, etc., 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 etc. All right? Now, uh... My work is research as a social scientist. Each week, I send to Father Greg, in fact, I have the package ready here, Oh, a great. package to Father Greg. And, this and is, by the way, folks, it's not food. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's data. It's information about this and other issues regarding the church, etc. That's Father Greg, that's the tip of the iceberg, what you get. We're awash in information here. My wife, Elaine, and I... For this company, Imperial Consulting, this is our this is the work that we do. Uh, we do a lot of work in workforce development, but we also touch on many other issues, including this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So the data. I'm a lucky is there. recipient of all it's, this. It's international. Mm-hmm. It's international. This is not a conspiracy by drug companies, by some political party, by certain political people, by religion, by uh, the. Uh, educated versus the uneducated, uh, the uh, racial groups. This is not a conspiracy. This is reality. All right? Now, can I ask you something related to that? The reality that you see. Now, transfer that reality to the Arch of Chicago and, and, and our churches. With the reality you see, where can we be? Uh, in the near future in terms of how we're welcoming people back? Well, again, um, I belong to the Cliff Dwellers Arts Club, which is uh, over a 100-year-old arts club in Chicago. And we are gradually reopening with limited numbers of people. You have to wear a mask coming in. we, we hope and pray that you all will be vaccinated when you come to the cliff dwellers. And in general, 
our the people that are our members are doing this and their guests all right so again the key is this this radio program is to encourage all of your listeners to pay attention to the science and to protect themselves unlike the spanish flu where we had no vaccine that killed one to two percent of all americans died in the spanish flu and worldwide 21 million people died from the spanish flu that in the end only died out when the vaccine had killed off enough people and they had built up enough immunity that it stopped it and it took years for that to occur mm-hmm. all right that's not where we're at in fact right now we're beginning to prepare for the next pandemic i'm sorry guys yes there will probably be another virus now, wait, wait, from animals out, Edward, were you saying to another virus is on the way right i know sure wait, wait, now we're getting that data it's inevitable well uh, Stay you, tuned, folks. Don't yeah. t- don't turn the dial. Yeah, well, right. I'm sure we're this one. <laughs> we're better prepared than we were last time, and we turned out that vaccine in record time. And the reason why is more research has been done on vaccines, and now governments around the world, the World Health Organization, are bulking up. So the next time it happens, we can get a vaccine developed even quicker. But now, Edward, this is the first time hearing about another pandemic. And you're saying it's going to be coming from animals? Well, that's where this one came from, wasn't well, it? True. Bats. Exactly. Right. And so then and are we the, talking that pandemic the, the next few uh, years? Right. And the Spanish flu came from birds. And the bubonic plague came from rats, uh, f- from fleas on rats. Uh, so this is usually what happens. Um, at least for these huge pandemics. So will this occur again? The odds are it probably will. Can it be contained and isolated? Hopefully we're going to do a much better job next time where it breaks out somewhere and stopping it at the origin, you know, at the site of the origin of it. And will we have a vaccine for it quicker? Yes. You know, there were other smaller pandemics before COVID-19 mm-hmm. that were contained mm-hmm. quicker or affected fewer people all right so um is this next pandemic in our lifetime oh probably okay folks you heard it here first probably yes well it's in if you read major if you read the major news sources they've been talking about this now for several months the inevitability of it and why we need to prepare for it why public health that was seriously underfunded across the United States wasn't prepared for COVID-19. And next time this happens, I would hope that our governmental leaders will be united in recognizing it and dealing with it and not discouraging people by offering them false science, lies, subterfuge, uh, politicizing it. We don't need to politicize a uh, a national and international health emergency, do we, guys? No, sure. and we're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna take a little break now. The, the one thing, Ed, as you're talking, what I keep thinking about is the underlying impact of this. We have a little granddaughter who's a year old. Now she's been isolated for this year, and she has a hard time with people coming up. Right. Up to her. Because she's not used to it. No. Right. Well, no. We'll talk about that. Yeah, so we will. We'll take a little break. WNDZ, 750 AM on your dial. Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. We're speaking with Dr. Edward Gordon, Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Tracy. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. 
Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more, whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312-937-3375. We're back, WNDZ 750 AM on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. We're with Dr. Edward Gordon. Uh, Mark, that's a very nice sweater vest you have on today. Thank you very much. Did you uh, rent it? It covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) Uh, Ed. Yes. So we're going to move into our discussion of the age of faith, the church in the Middle Ages. We're going to tie that into this. Right. But what I wanted to ask you, so, I mean, a lot of what we have spoken about, you know, is cautionary. But what's the good news right now for folks? I mean, well, the good, wh- wh- news, the good news is you just mentioned, you know, your granddaughter, mm-hmm. the little baby. We're now beginning to vaccinate young children with lower doses of these vaccines. And thus far, it has worked very well. Mm-hmm. And that will continue. Soon we'll be able to vaccinate everyone. All right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now... The good news is we have almost half the population of the United States has had at least one dose, okay? And that number will continue to rise as the people who want, you know, as soon as possible, but they're still waiting because they have doubts. Those numbers are shrinking. Mm -hmm. There are still people that adamantly refuse that they'll ever get it, Mm -hmm. all right? Hopefully those numbers will also shrink. So that's that is the good news. That's the good news. Yeah, yes, and I think it will happen. We're closing the. And gap. when you say we are on the top of the eighth inning, mm-hmm. that itself is also great news. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is because you every time we you have been a guest, you've gone from the third inning to the fourth inning to the sixth inning, bottom of the seventh, now the top of the eighth. So now making the transition from COVID nineteen, somehow make a transition to the age of faith, mm-hmm. the church in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. and really maybe the first thing is. For our folks, for our listeners, when you're talking the Middle Ages, what centuries are we talking from when to when? Oh, about, uh, let us say we'll start at the year 700 A.D. to about 1350 A.D., okay? Okay. So that's a long time ago, but just let's give you a little context of 
how things were different then. And let's start out with one of the big events of the Middle Ages, which was the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague started when? 1347 to 1351. And if you hear jackhammers, it's because they're working on the parking lot behind my building. So I'm sorry, I can't. I thought Elaine was making you breakfast. Oh, oh, Elaine is listening to this now. Elaine, I'm I'm joking. She's going to cut off your supply of data. All right. During that period, a third of the population of Europe died. That's 25 million people. Wow. I want you to think about that for a moment. Okay? That's the difference between science and no science. No social distancing, no masks, no hygiene, and no vaccines. Because doctors then, uh, in many cases, people put into hospitals in the Middle Ages went there to die, mm-hmm. and most of them did die. Sometimes you were better off not, not uh, going to the hospital. You know, going to a hospital. Okay, but that is one of the big differences. And the plague broke out repeatedly. It did not stop because it broke out after that in various cities uh, after the plague ended, then it would spring up in Amsterdam, Naples, Venice, or London, Oslo. Uh, there was an Italian plague in the 1600s. Uh, Vienna suffered a plague in 1679. The south of France, even in 1720, as late as 1850, in the, the Black Death rose again in the Middle East. And Baghdad had a huge, two-thirds of the population died. Now, Think now, about this. Now, Ed, let's go, go back. I'm trying to draw some parallels here. I, 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 I see the differences. What was the economic impact of, of, of the bubonic? I mean, it seems like it would well, it lose a third of your folks. It was devastating. Well, let's, let's go back. Let's answer your question by giving people a little context, mm-hmm. all right? The Roman Empire had united the Mediterranean world and large parts of Europe. And in 476 A.D., that basically ended. The only organization that united that region at that time was Christianity. Mm-hmm. All right. So the diocese and bishops, etc. A lot of the, a lot of that organization was based on uh, how Rome had organized the provinces. All right? Mm-hmm. And the church was really the only social institution to care for people, the sick and the dying. Think of Europe, though. If you've ever gone and camped out in a forest, I'm sure both of you have, at least if you haven't camped out, you've been in big forests. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Right. Europe was one big forest, guys. It was covered in, in uh, timber. Yeah. Now, the primary focus of that time and occupation was agriculture. As the Roman Empire ended, communication, the road systems and, that Rome had built, that all decayed and went away. And you're fragmented into little, little villages run by nobles, Weak kings that would spring up in different parts of the country. But the communication was terrible. And famine was constant. Because if you didn't grow it in your backyard, you starved. Wow. Wow. All right? There were no big cities anymore. Because there was no transportation and there was no trade. Life expectancy was around 30 years. And the educated clergy... They were the only and ones you're saying that read. the average age person in the Middle Ages was 30, 30 years. That's right. 30. 30. Yes. I mean, if you had an abscess tooth and uh, it spread, it'd kill you. Go to the heart. Uh, well, any, any idea, anything. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, and uh, again, Europe was struggled. The church struggled against superstitions and cults. But the clergy were the only ones that could read. Even the nobility 
Yeah, they were the educated. Read. Right, right. And the average height of a male was about five foot three inches tall. Oh, probably Greg right. would be towering over them. <laughs> yeah, right. So you had birth, you worked as a, a serf, and you had death. Farming, no fertilizer, so the soil would get exhausted, and that could also lead to famine. So there was limited fodder in the winter, so a lot of animals died, so there was no fresh meat. And forget fresh vegetables, okay? And the major, now, F Father Greg, you got to listen to this now. The major diversion for a lot of people at that time was the priest's homilies on Sunday. Oh, those poor really? people. That yeah, so you better bone up on your stories. That would kill them. <laughs> so, so the feudal system rose. It replaced the Roman Empire. At the top were these nobles who controlled their little fiefdoms. If you ever took a cruise down the Rhine River, yes, at every turn on top of a mountain, there's a castle. Mm -hmm. And those barons, if you wanted to sail down the, the Rhine River, you had to pay a toll at each castle to continue to sail down or they'd attack you. Okay? Oh, that's the kings were very weak. In fact, the rise of modern nations like France and Germany and Italy were largely a modern, a modern invention because the kings were very weak. And one of the important things that united all of this was the church. The monasteries that grew up during, in Ireland and spread throughout Europe were very, very important because they were the ones that preserved the books the knowledge right, of Europe, true. all right? And they started schools, the monastic schools. So the church was vitally important throughout all of Western Europe, and uh, they were the ones that really provided what we'll call not only spiritual services but social services to and, help people. And what did the family unit look like? In the family unit... Well, uh, many men had multiple wives because many of them died in childbirth. Uh -huh. Men had large numbers of children, most of whom would die before they were five years old. True. And why would they die? They would die from smallpox, measles, mm -hmm. the mumps, flu-type virus, mm. because there was no medicine. Wow. All right, think about it. So you could have, Mark... 45 children, and only six would survive to adulthood. Wow. Yeah. Okay? So 75% of the children who lived in London died before they were five until 1750. That's amazing. Yes. So 75%. Big and big families were important. Why were big families important? Labor. Work. Work. Remember, this yeah. is intensive agriculture. This is... Workers. question is, was Europe, whether Europe would become Christian? Well, of course, it, Christianity was the major religion of the Roman Empire at the end, and it became the religion of all of the, Van, the Franks and Vandals and Huns and all these tribal groups that had invaded the Roman Empire, they largely converted to Christianity. So let's, right? do, let's do this, Ed. Let's take a little break, uh, and then when we come back, continue w with your kind of our journey to, to the Middle Ages. And we'll let Edward and, keep doing the jackhammering in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Age of Faith. Uh, well, it's, it's giving you new sound effects for your show. <laughs> and we, we have heard that Father Greg's homilies are significantly the entertainment that people have well, experienced nowadays. So. WNDZ 750 AM on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. We'll be back with Dr. Ed Gordon in a few minutes. The Age of Faith, the Church in the Middle Ages. Please stay tuned.
The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. Catholic Charities Schreiber Center for Human Services is now open in Round Lake. Due to the pandemic, we are limited in the number of in-person programs that we currently can provide. However, a food pantry is open twice a week and a Wednesday night supper is held with to-go meals every week. A wide range of senior services are now offered as well. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call us at 847-546-5733. That's 847-546-5733. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackowitz, Mark Teresi here with him this morning. And we're speaking with Dr. Edward Gordon, The Age of Faith, The Church in the Middle Ages. Ed, let's continue uh, our journey. Okay, Mark. Well, the Franks, <coughs> pardon me, one of the uh, groups was the Franks, who settled in what is now uh, France. And... Pope Stephen III, in 1751 A.D., recognized the Franks as legitimate owners of that section of Europe. And as a result, because the Franks also controlled much of Italy, Pepin made the donation of Pepin, which renewed Constantine's pledge of, and recreated the Papal States in Italy. Now, Constantine was a, the Roman emperor who first recognized Christianity. In 313, was it? 751 A.D. Uh, no, 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 no. I thought oh, that, you know, oh, I'm sorry, Constantine, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, through the, I think it was right. 313. Sorry, yes. I knew that. that you know, Edwards, I think that's the first mistake you've made in every interview we've ever had. Oh, that's amazing. the jackhammering is so loud I couldn't <laughs> hear what you were saying. Oh my asking god. I mean you're me. like you're like you're like a walking encyclopedia. Mark no, always well, talk about your knowledge. I, uh, it's amazing. Folks, I want I, I wanna I wanna puncture his myth. I have in front of me <laughs> the outlines of a lot of data and information, guys. Because I uh, I do I can't keep all of this information uh, and particularly dates and stuff, but the papal states were phenomenal, created it's at amazing. that time. All right. Now, the Franks ex expanded their empire from France into parts of Germany and Italy, and where Belgium and Holland are. And Charlemagne. Now, Charlemagne. Now we're up to 1768. He lived to 1814. And Charlemagne was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor by Pope Leo III in 800 A.D. And explain the that. Was, explain that role a little well, bit. Well, the, the role is that the Franks were the first unifying force in a large part of Western Europe, and by the Pope recognizing this and crowning him the Holy Roman Emperor, it really meant that the church now was the one that would certify these governments in Europe as, as legitimate. So it gave the pope um, a major...
major influence over the politics of Europe itself. And, and who decided right? that? The Pope? The Pope did this, yes. So he just decided, I'm the big guy. Well, he crowned him. Yeah, so yes. people, <laughs> yeah, the so power he, came and, from the yeah, That's right, and from the papacy. Uh, Charlemagne was illiterate, and Charlemagne brought in an Irish monk and set up a school in his household so his children could learn to read and write. Wow. And he did, too, to some degree. I don't, it's not clear if he ever was, was fluent. But, again, so the rise of monasteries is very important, protecting the ancient manuscripts that had not been destroyed when Rome fell, and the copying of those texts. There's a movie with Sean Connery, The Name of the Rose. Oh, sure. And in it, it shows you the monks copying by hand these, on, in vellum-bound books. Vellum is made, paper made from animal skins. And the monks would devote their lives copying these manuscripts in the libraries of Europe. That's interesting. Uh, let me switch directions, but along the same lines, Edward, and that is uh, what doctrines and dogmas were promulgated during this time? I thought you never asked me. Uh. Um, <laughs> you're getting ahead of the story here, but this is the second. Could I back All up right. one second and just? Well, this is just of, I'm sorry. This is just a little side note. But okay, you were talking, ahead. you were talking about the manuscripts. Yes. And actually, there are two books from um, I don't know what century at Mundelein Seminary in the archives. Uh, there. They're handwritten prayer books, not wow. only with, the, you know, that the monks did, but beautiful, beautiful pic- yes. pictures yes. throughout. I mean, yes. they're stunning. Were they gifts to a Cardinal Mundelein? Cardinal Mundelein acquired them. Yes. And uh, at some point, depending on, you know, when the seminary opens again, when they do tours, uh, sometimes they'll pull them. you got to wear the gloves. and But uh, exactly what you talked about, Ed, and they're treasures. They're absolute treasures. Now, those, the value of those, Edward, would be priceless, correct? Exactly. Well, they would be, yes. Yes. Exactly. They would oh. be very, uh, and if you go to the Morgan Library in New York, mm-hmm. you can see many of these manuscripts on display. Unbelievable. All right. So, I'm sorry, so, I, it was a now, little diversion. Let, let's but... skip, let's, let's go back and talk about some of the dogmas and doctrines that were promulgated during that time period. Mm -hmm. The Fourth Lateran Council in 1215, they established the concept of the transubstantiation of Christ. (laughs) All right? Mm -hmm. That the priest, and only bishops could ordain priests, the number of sacraments, seven sacraments, confession and communion once a year, the Eucharist gives man grace and hope for salvation. But again, all around the dogma of transubstantiation, through the words of Christ at the Last Supper, of the bread and wine change into the body and blood, blood of, Christ. of Christ, this is not symbolic. When Christ said, this is my body, this is my blood, he meant exactly that. All right? Now, The bread still tastes like bread and wine. We can only say their appearance has not changed. Mm -hmm. But the whole inclusive substance has indeed changed into Christ's body and blood. That's what we mean by transubstantiation. Correct. All right. So the physical appearance remains unchanged, Mm -hmm. but this is only known... Now we'll call it the mystery of faith, that Christ's whole physical presence exists in the Holy Eucharist. That's why at the tabernacle, in the cathedral, and in churches throughout the archdiocese, around the whole world, that red light is burning next to the tabernacle. Right, the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ. Now that's, the ma- that's the major. And that's why dogma. when you enter church, you're not entering a hall. Mm-hmm. You're not there to have a conversation with your neighbor. You're there to pray to God. His presence is there. 
yeah. in a real sense, his presence is there. Now, now that, spiritually, that was... Christ is always with us. We, but we all know that. But physically, and that is the one of the significant differences between a Catholic Church, an Anglican Church, a Lutheran Church, a Fourth Presbyterian Church, etc. All right, those are holy places too. People go and pray to God, mm-hmm. and that. But it's only in a Catholic Church that God's presence is real. And I always tell people that God gave us the gift of Himself because He loves us. Here's also interesting. You know, I'll talk to children from First Holy Communion, which we just had last Saturday. You know, I say, you know, boys and girls, today we're here to celebrate God, Jesus, and all of us. So many years ago, I was in a classroom teaching second graders just that. You know, boys and girls for First Holy Communion will celebrate God, Jesus, and all of us. Great celebration. And I wrote on the board, God, Jesus, and us. The little boy raised his hand and said, you know, Father Greg, if you look at the last two letters of Jesus, it spells us. us. And I thought... I'd seen the name Jesus a million times, mm-hmm. and I never saw us in, in Jesus. Jesus. And I thought, this, bro- this boy was profound. Yep. Yes. And to this day, I've always remembered that God, Jesus, and us, and within Jesus is us. And I find that fascinating in just what you're talking about, the body of Christ, the Lord comes to us to give us the gift of himself. Uh, how about this? Take us to break, Mark. Okay, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. We're with Dr. Edward Gordon and um, Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Teresi. We'll be back, continue our discussion of the age of faith, the church in the Middle Ages. Um, we're talking about dogma, and we're going to talk about lifestyle and the folks during that time. What, what did they experience in their churches. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities After Supper Visions program helps guests of our Tuesday night supper program develop their skills as photographers. Unique talent has been discovered as the artists capture Chicago's world-class landmarks and natural settings in new and beautiful ways. On Friday, June 4th at 5 p.m., After Supper Visions will host a free virtual 30-minute program to celebrate all of the artists' achievements. Hear from the artists and see the striking photos that rival those of any art gallery in Chicago. Join us. To RSVP, call 312-655-7932. That's 312-655-7932. Or visit AfterSupperVisions.com. At After Supper Visions, we're developing film, talent, and hope. The word made clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello. I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. We're back, 
WNDZ 750 AM on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Tracy here with Dr. Edward Gordon, Age of Faith, Church in the Middle Ages. And we're talking about, during the break, Father Greg and I were talking about the influence of the church during the Middle Ages, profound influence. Well, what was the average person's life like in the Middle Ages re- related to the church and how people's lifestyles evolved? Well, first of all, as I said, it was at the parish level within these small villages that the uh, priests had great influence over the lives of the serfs that served these nobles. Now, at the same time, the monasteries besides developing these libraries, developed schools. And, as I just told you, there was a palace school at Charlemagne's mm-hmm. court. Those, those schools gradually developed into the cathedral schools mm. across Europe. We'll talk about the cathedral in just a minute. At Holy Name, there is a cathedral school. Now it is a, it has merged with another school, but that was developed as the school of the cathedral, wasn't it? Hmm. And that years ago, was, and a high school. And those were transformed ultimately into the universities of Paris and Padua and other uh, cities across Europe. But now let's talk about the skyscrapers of the Middle Ages, and those were the cathedrals. Mm-hmm. The rise of the great cathedrals of Europe. Many of your listeners have gone to Rheim and Chartres and Canterbury and Cologne, etc. And many of those took hundreds of years to build, a hundred years or more. They're called cathedral because in Latin, cathedra means chair, and they chair were the site of the bishop's chair. Mm-hmm. So when you go into Holy Name Cathedral, you will see the bishop's chair, and above it his crest and motto in Latin. Which happens to be our own Cardinal Supich. That's right. Mm-hmm. And every time a new cardinal is, the cardinal dies and a new one is appointed by the pope, that chair, that symbol and motto changes for the mm-hmm. new bishop. All right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you don't have to be a cardinal can be a bishop, because all the dioceses around the United States have a cathedral. All mm-hmm. right. Now, those sites, those building projects, were immense undertakings. And there would be different guilds that grew up around it. The Masonic Order, the Masons, were essential, those skills, to build Notre Dame and Chartres and the others, all right? But think of the carpenters. Think of the stained glass windows. Think of all the components that would go into that. And they became the site and shrines of the Middle Ages. The people, in many cases, who are the saints? Who, who are the saints? The saints, I heard this expressed once in a sermon at Holy Name Cathedral. One of the priests asked these first graders, just the, like the experience you had, Father Greg, mm-hmm. who are the saints? And this one little first grader said to the priest, the, the saints are the people who God's grace comes shining through. Mm-hmm. And the priest said, my Lord, this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. What an insight for a little boy. And see that, how, did see the, that line how again. did the little boy see that? They had just been to a church, and they'd seen the stained glass windows, and all the saints the were in the windows, mm-hmm. and that's what the little boy took away from it. Okay, so the, and that was true in all these cathedrals. And the carvings, you go to Chartres, you go to all of these, and there's Christ, and there's the apostles, and Mary, 
not just in the stained glass, but in all of those statues covering the outsides of these cathedrals. And think about this for a moment. All those statues were painted. That was all in color. That's worn off over the centuries. There are a few churches, though, I've seen in Switzerland where they have reapplied the paint. Hmm. And it is amazing, uh, you know, how that helps those statues stand out even more. And luckily now, in many parts of Europe, they've cleaned those churches before they, you know, a lot of them were very dirty with soot, etc. A lot of it's been cleaned. Edward, just on a sidebar, uh, Notre Dame had the the fire about two years ago. How is restoration doing there? Have you heard? Slowly. Very slowly. Slowly. Very slowly. Because of funding or because lack Uh, of craftsmen? No, it's because of the complexity of the construction and the safety measures that have to be used so that the outer walls of that cathedral don't collapse. Mm. About how many years are they looking at before completion? Oh. Total completion, mm-hmm. I would estimate, will take anywhere from 10 to 20 years before Notre Dame Cathedral is totally restored. Is any. it open to the public right now, or is no, it still closed? No, only very limitedly, and if, those, if any. Are those strictly private funds that are coming in? No, they're, no, 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 no. All the churches of France are owned by the government. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that. All of the churches of France since the French Revolution are owned by the government? Are owned by the government. Wow. Now that I did not know. And in France, priests and nuns cannot wear garb in public. That is prohibited. Why? Because the French do not support the concept of religion. The government is religious neutral. Remember the French Revolution? So I, I cannot wear the Roman collar walking the streets? Uh, no, they don't want to. No, you are prohibited. I, I, I could word in, in my and church. that's true in many countries, not just France. You know, thousands of priests and nuns were were guillotined during the French Revolution. True. And um, religion was banned. Many of those churches were used as stables. It was changed under Napoleon, and it seesawed back and forth. But the French government does not recognize any religion. The scarf controversy now with the the Muslims, the wearing of scarves, etc., is a religious symbol to them. And that has gotten into a great deal of controversy because they will not allow any religious symbols in public. All right. So can I ask a question regarding cathedral? Because this is new to me. So at Notre Dame, they say, do they say mass there? Does the government allow? Oh, yes. Oh, oh okay. yes. No, 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 no. They're allowing mass all over okay. in churches. That's not the issue. Okay. But the, but the, the, the restoration, et cetera, is government money. Now, there's private money being spent as right. well. All right. So, um, but it varies from country to country. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to the cathedrals, so the saints, when they died... There are relics. Now, in Holy Name Cathedral, there are, there, there's a reliquary, right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. And uh, Cardinal George restored that reliquary and enhanced it during well, while he was cardinal. He brought that mm-hmm. in. And uh, there are relics in the major cathedrals all over Europe. People would make pilgrimages to those sites from across Europe in order to, to uh, gain indulgences that were offered, and they would spend weeks, years going on these pilgrimages, and they would bring their horses and cattle and sheep with them because they had to eat. So when they would go into the cathedral, there were no pews. They would sleep in the cathedral. This is like the early Holiday Inn, all right? Look at it that way. And they would look up at the stained glass, and there is Jesse's stem. And you can see all the generations. There's the Last Supper. There's the crucifixion. There's Mary crowned in heaven. These were all these were all illiterate people. Now, now let me. This th- is how they learned their religion. So, coming to these churches. I remember we were in Munich, at, in the cathedral. And could you explain a little bit about why royalty is buried in cathedrals? Well, because. It are the kings that anointed 
it was the church that anointed the kings. And at that time, in that era, it was designated and believed that the, the kings were anointed by the church. They were appointed by God as rulers. Okay. All so, right? So that, this, there is no democracy here. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. Is it That's how it functions. So you had, well, the House of Windsor, the, uh, the king and queen of England. All right? They're appointed by God. That was absolute monarchy. That ended a long time ago. Those are constitutional monarchs. But when Henry VIII became the king of England, he was anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he, the belief that he was anointed by God to rule England. Now, just the last couple of minutes, Edward, literally in two minutes, how did the church advance and preserve civilization? You've got two minutes on that topic. Well, we're going to have to continue this next time. Sure, but give, right? us a, give us because, a start. Because there are, we've only touched on a few of the important events. But the, the, the church at that time, as you can see now, was deeply involved in the appointment of kings, mm-hmm. the belief system, the laws, the literacy, was all influenced by the church. And there was Absolutely. only one church. Remember, mm-hmm. the, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, this was the pre, only church. This is pre-split. This is before the Reformation, mm-hmm. all right? That's the Renaissance Reformation. That's in the, But we have much more to talk about. We haven't talked about the monasteries and the formation of religious orders and the... Um, the whole issue of who appointed these bishops, because the kings wanted to start taking control over church monasteries and lands, and they wanted the revenue from that rather than going to the to to Rome, and the purchasing of lay of church offices, which was very controversial and it all does struggle. get very complicated. This is all we have to talk about. This this is very important. We'll have to have you back on again by popular demand. And again, the tie-in. I want to talk more about the Black Death because that was one of the major events of the Middle Ages. And the Black Death was when? Again, it started in 1347. Oh, the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague. Yes. In that era. We want to thank in a very special way uh, Dr. Edward Gordon. Well, before we, in the 30 seconds, and that is uh, sum up everything that you have said and connect that era with today. Yes, definitely. Because without the church, there would be no history. The church is the history of the world, particularly the history of the West. And now it influences the history of the entire world. Tremendous influence. On that note, I want to thank in a very special way Dr. Edward Gordon, backed by popular demand. Edward, you are literally a walking encyclopedia, but you're so connected with the practicality of life that it just amazes. So thank you very much, Edward, again, and give uh, our love to your lovely bride, uh, Elaine. And uh, special thanks to co-host Mark Teresi. Great great job today, Mark. And to our engineers, Brian Hockey Hitman Brock. Javi Garcia, I saw Michael May there earlier, to the team, uh, producers and engineers. So to all, God bless. Have a wonderful week. May the White Sox beat the Cardinals tonight. And I forgot who the Cubs are playing, but they may win too. God bless. Great week. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.